What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Lord, help me. Help me. I need you. So here's what we're going to do real quick. Let's look at verse 9. Holy Spirit, come, right? You're here. You're here with us. It says, do your best to come to me soon. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. For Demas, and I want you to highlight Demas, in love with this present world has deserted me. And you need to highlight that. We're going to come back to it. I tell you to highlight things. If you're like, who's this guy I think he is telling me to highlight? It's just what I do, okay? You don't have to, but if you want to, highlight it. I don't have time to say please and stuff. He's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Highlight Crescens. Titus to Dalmatia, highlight Titus. Luke, highlight Luke, alone is with me. Get Mark or John Mark, highlight that. With him, or bring him with you, for he's very useful to me in ministry. Tychicus, highlight Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I've left with Carpus, highlight Carpus, at Troas. Also, the books... And above all the parchments, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith has done me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca. Highlight that. Aquila. Highlight that. And the household of Onesiphorus. Highlight that. Erastus. Highlight that. And I left Trophimus. Highlight that. Who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus. Highlight that. Sends greetings to you as do Prudence. And Linus, the guy from Snoopy, highlight that. And Claudia, highlight that. And all the brothers, highlight brothers. The Lord be with you in spirit. Grace be with you. So as we get into this text, again, God, come and do what only you can do in this place. If you are here today, just don't listen. But is there something that God wants you to do? And you need to be asking the Holy Spirit, God, if you spoke through a donkey, you can definitely speak through that guy. Speak to me today. And show me, God, what it is you want me to do. Information without application is just a waste of time. And so I don't know who you came here with, Or if you came alone, that's okay. Listen, everybody here should write down what is it that God's calling them to do by the end of this service. If it's just one thing, it might be a few things. But you now need to tell somebody because there's no such thing as discipleship without accountability. Who's going to hold you accountable to what you said you were going to do? I've got a group of pastors that I'm meeting with, and one of the things that I just... um, said, hey, hold me accountable. I want to share the gospel with three people that I do not know this week because I'm like in a church bubble all the time, right? 
So on the way to church, there was a homeless guy. I just got one out of my three, okay? So praise God for that. But you know what? I'm going to be asked next week, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do, Chris? What's that called? Accountability. We all need it. If you don't have accountability in your life, you don't have somebody that's walking with you. There's a reason why Jesus sent people out in twos. You need somebody to hold you accountable. What's your weaknesses? What are you struggling with? What is it that you will overcome through prayer and a brother in Christ? And so we're going to see this here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Paul is writing. He's writing. He's writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Sorry. He says, do your best to come to me soon. Now, I want you to go down to verse 21. You see what he says there? Do best to come to me when? Before winter. He was being more specific. A lot of times we put something off, but when something has a deadline, hello, leaders, don't give something unless there's a deadline attached. It's taken me a long time to learn because we all wait for the last minute to study. I can't come. I got a test. Oh, so you're not going to come serve these inner city kids that you said you would because you lacked discipline for the past three weeks and you knew the test was coming on this date? I'm sorry you're so overwhelmed, college student. Your lack of planning doesn't, it doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Honey, I'm looking at you. But, but college, hey, college folks, am I, can I, okay, can I get a witness? My lack of planning, per, hey, procrastinators, let's unite tomorrow, right? You seen that shirt? We got coffee in the back, anyway. I do need to stop, Colleen. He's saying, do your best to come to me before winter. He says it twice because there's a passion and there's a focus. He is serious about giving a ministry update. The reason why I had you highlight all of those people, because that was his team. There were 16 people on his team that that were just listed by name here. 16 people, 16 people that he was gathered around. And he's naming them, and he's giving his update to Timothy. Who's on your team, disciple? Who's on your team, disciple? What team are you on, disciple? So it's, heard it said, Clydesdales, which are very large horses, they can pull 4,000 pounds by themselves, okay? So these are, these are really, really strong horses, So you would think if you put two of them together, they would pull 8,000 pounds. Well, studies have shown that when you teach Clydesdales to pull properly together, they actually pull 16,000 pounds. So it multiplies out because they're pulling together in tandem. That's called synergy. And there's a reason why Jesus sent people out in twos and not by yourself. You should always be, as a Christian, on some sort of ministry team. What team are you on? What team are you on? Team. Together. Everyone. Achieves. Come on, guys. You guys. 
Yeah, achieves more or much. Together, everybody achieves more. You know what I used to say? Hey, there is no I in team, but there is an I in win, so give me the ball. All right? <laughs> Jesus saved me, though. I was a ball hog. Anyway. I want you to understand you need to be on a team. You also need to understand that on your team, you're going to have people like Demas that love the world more than they love the kingdom of God. And they're really not sold out for Jesus. Now, you're going to need discernment to know who's a Demas in my life. Will, if you could put up that quote by Frederick Douglass, please. Frederick Douglass understood this. He had discernment. He was a slave that was freed, amazing American hero. But, but he says this, Therefore I hate the corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial and hypocritical Christianity of the land between the Christianity of this land in the United States of America and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. Discernment. He knew the difference between the real and the fake. Just because, listen, just because somebody goes to church on Sunday, that doesn't mean nothing. You need to discern their life, their manner of life. We don't look for a Christian man, ladies. You wait for a godly man. There's a difference. There's a difference. Just like if you go to Dunkin' Donuts, it doesn't make you a cop. If you're a police here, I'm sorry. We, we, do, we honor. It's, it's, it's just a joke. Actually, I heard that joke like 20-something years ago. You kind of can't say that joke anymore. There's just too much tension in our society. For, 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 forgive me. You should be praying for me. 2 Timothy 1-2, please. I want you to see that. He's asking for Timothy. Why? Timothy was a team member. He was with Timothy for 15 years. At the end, he was asking for him. 2 Timothy 1-2, it says, To Timothy, my beloved child. He loved this guy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Here's the deal. You want to know if you're mature or immature? Do you pray more for yourself than other people? It's okay, I'm still immature, right? I'm always on my mind. But I want to get to the place like this where he's remembering them constantly in prayers. My team, my squad, my Timbo Weezy, my, right? You, you, you are on my mind. Verse four, I remember your tears. Who do you know where you've seen their tears? You're, you walk with them in such a way that they've opened themselves up and they've been vulnerable with you to, 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 to let you into their struggles. 
Maybe, maybe they're so hurt they can't do that because they've been so hurt in the past, but maybe, maybe, maybe you're not a person they feel safe around and they can't open up to. Are your people around you, are they crying and weeping? Are they bringing you into tears of joy so they see the real you? Is that the kind of vulnerability and transparency that's in your squad, that's in your team? It should be, that's what's listed here. And look at what's next. I long to see you. Many of us, if we're honest, the people that we hang with, we long to get away. We need a break. But imagine being so in love that there's this longing. I can't, I just cannot wait to be with so-and-so so that I could be filled with joy. You see that there? So I want you to think for a minute. Now think outside of your family. Obviously your mother, your father, you know, someday your husband, wife, kids, whatever. Listen, forget your family for a second. At the end of your life, who will be there for you outside of your immediate family? Yeah, God, yeah, he's all, he's all, yeah. <laughs> Paul, he's calling on Timothy. He's like, Timothy, I need you, man. I need you by my side. Think about this, okay? Who would call you to be by their side? So again, I've said this before, but everybody wants to be a Paul, but you've never been a Timothy first. You've never said, hey, this thing isn't really about me. Like Joshua, he was a servant that served Moses for 40 years before he was put in leadership. And we just don't see that today in this purpose-driven culture where I want to start this and I want to, me, 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 me. Where, no, can I come and die to myself and serve someone else's ministry? Or do I have to be in charge? Paul was calling Timothy because he says in Philippians chapter 2, I'm sending Timothy to you because I have nobody else like him. Everybody else cares about their own life, but not Timothy. He cares about your welfare. Timothy was special. Timothy was one of a kind. And that's why Paul's sitting in prison. The last letter he wrote, his head's about to be chopped off. And he knows it. And who's he asking for? Timothy. Because he had nobody like him. Who's in your squad? Who's on your team? Who are you on mission with? And are they becoming like Timothy where there's this transparency, vulnerability, this intimacy, this closeness? Do you see that happening in your life, Christian? Oh, no, I just, I just go to church on Sundays and I, this. You're missing Christianity. Dallas Willard calls... His book is written, it's called The Great Omission, and he talks about the Great Commission, which nobody does. Hey, listen, who are you discipling right now, Christian? You've been saved for how long? And who's your Timothy? Some of you, like me, need to be on a team for a long time before God will put you in a place to lead a team. And you know what? A lot of people just don't want to hear that. A lot of people think, I got this piece of paper, it qualifies me. No, it doesn't qualify you. 
Are you dead to yourself? Is it for Christ and Christ alone? Are you coming to serve or be served? I started volunteering for Urban Youth Impact in 1998. I drove the van. I picked up the trash that the kids would throw on the ground after they ate their chips and juice. And I was faithful every Thursday night to do that. And I never once spoke to anybody or shared my story. And a lot of you, if you serve for two years, might be offended by that. But you know what? That was the best thing for me. I didn't go there to speak. I came to serve. Came to serve. Serving is where our hearts are purified. Serving on teams is where we learn to love and we learn humility and we learn how to honor and we learn how to consider others better than ourselves. What team are you on? What ministry team are you on? Let me give you some examples. We have a video team here at church, right? And so Will, raise your hand, big Will. Back in the back, right? He is, he's on our video team, right? Him and Ryan Gunn. Some of you can do video. Hey, you might want to go be on that team. We could use you. Young adults, for some reason, God's bringing a lot of young adults. They might not come back after this Sunday, but so God is raising up a team that we're going to have a young adult ministry here, right? And so who wants to be on that team? Who wants to serve? Well, I can preach. I don't, we don't need you to preach. What we need you to do is we need you to call everybody, text everybody, and go pick up this food for us. Well, I'm in my third year, my MDiv. <laughs> Project Restore, Antoine, where you at, babe? Hey, we, we, are, we are building... We are building things on Tamron. We have part of our ministry. We, we have homes on Tamron. This guy can need help. Some of you are like, I don't know anything about a Bible verse, but can you pick up a shovel? Can you mow some, some, pull some weeds? Can you serve and help Antoine? He needs help. You need help, don't you, Antoine? You need help. A lot of help. Not in a, in a, you know, you know what I'm saying. A lot of work to be done. Michelle. Raise your hand, Michelle. Higher, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> so I completely forgot. Last week, I told you we started a school last year. Mich- Michelle was in charge of it, and I, was, I just kind of gave props to Joseph last week. But Michelle led that school, and 85% of our kindergartners read on grade level at the end of the year because of Michelle's leadership. And so this year here, we've partnered with Jupiter Christian School, and we have a free private school education for 22, right? 24. Praise God, it grew. Inner city children, and we need somebody in here. Where's it going to land, okay? We need about 20. I think we already have two mentors, right? We need 22 mentors to mentor a precious little kindergarten or first grader. Is that you today? 
Are you going to come on Michelle's team so we can adopt these children together? Because some kids, they need the teacher to teach them X, Y, and Z, but then they need somebody else to come on and just love them up and wrap their arms around them. Here at Urban Youth Impact, we've got hundreds of kids every week that are in our programs. And we need people that say, hey, I can, I can serve for a week. I can come get involved. I can come mentor. I can come and, and pick up trash like P- Pastor Chris did. I can drive a van. We need, we need some of you to lead parenting classes and be on that team. We need some of you to be marriage mentors and be on that team. We need inner healing people that will say, here I am. I want to be on that team. Listen, we have... Um, Steve Stanton Sr. here. Raise your hand, Steve. He runs an amazing ministry called JH Outback, and he needs teams of people that will say, hey, I'm going to set up the tent. I'm going to break down the tent. I'm going to serve food. I'm going to do dishes. I'm going to see people come to Jesus because I'm part of this team. It's team first, guys. It's team first. And here's the deal. Some of the people have been sitting in church for their whole life, and they're like, like, all right, none of this stuff is part of my life. I don't have a Timothy. I don't have a Paul. I'm not on a team. I'm not doing anything. I'm not serving anywhere. And so my question just simply to you is, look, Jesus is, says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. There's all kinds of stuff that you could be involved in. But if you're not building, something's missing with Jesus because he's building his church. And if you're not, the problem's not Jesus. He's perfect. The problem might be yourself. That's why you're here today. So, again, welcome. First time. I was reading this week in, in Exodus chapter 18, and we've just finished last week talking about the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, right? Or two weeks ago, all scriptures God breathed, and I'm reading it, and I'm seeing, man, Moses is meet with all these people. Jethro confronts him and says, hey, you can't meet with all these people. You need to identify leaders. You need to delegate leadership. And you need to tell them, handle the little things, but come to me if there's a big thing. And Moses did that. Moses delegated out to teams so that he could lead properly. And by the way, with all of these teams listed, we need you, disciple, to know what your gift is so that you can be a benefit to the team. And so when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and shepherd, the five-fold ministry, we need you on the team. So for example, if I'm running a marriage ministry, I need all five of those people on the marriage ministry team because I need an apostle who is going to navigate and lead and set the direction and create an amazing marriage ministry. And then I need a prophet who's going to be there to speak truth into situations because the shepherd 
who is caring and compassionate and kind, when he brings somebody and the wife is like, hey, I've been with this guy. He's just not changing. It's the husband's fault. I've done all I can. The prophet can say to the shepherd, oh, listen, ask her if she's fasted for 21 days like Daniel. Because that's when Daniel got the breakthrough. You've done everything in this marriage. Have you fasted for 20 days? See, that, that's the prophet. That's why nobody likes the prophets. Because I, I ain't trying to hear that, bro. This is why the team's important. Because I'm a prophet, by the way. I don't know if you, if you know that. Um, and, and prophet, don't mean it's foretelling the future. Just black and white. Like, this is what the word says. Deal with it. This is, this is truth up on your plate. What you going to do about that, right? That's the, that's the prophet. It's black and white. There's no gray. But if a good prophet is a good prophet, he's always going to have a shepherd with him because when I cut somebody's throat, the shepherd can make them sew it up and put the bandage and a little knee ointment and knee, you know, knee spoon, you know, all that, all that stuff there. And I'll walk. Oh, my gosh. Come and tell me how you feel. We love you. We love you. We love you. You know, the prophet. And you are of your father, the devil. So Jesus was a prophet. He was a prophet, but he was also a good shepherd. Come to me, all you are weary and lame. I'm going to give you rest for my soul, right? And so he gives us these different gifts so that when we come together, we represent Christ right. He's glorified, not the prophet, not the shepherd, but Christ is glorified because his body is submitting to one another in love and functioning like they need to function. But here's the thing. In the modern day church, we don't know what our gifts are. We don't know what our callings are. We're not on a team. We're not serving. Oh, I want to tackle somebody right now. Look, I didn't know what my gift was. I didn't know until I got on a team and I started to serve. And God says, if you serve with a little and you're faithful with that, I'm going to give you some more. When I was asked to plant a church, you know what I told my boss? I said, no, I'm not qualified. But he saw something in me because I'd been on his team for 10 years that I didn't see in myself. And he said, you know what? I know you don't want to, but I'm your boss. Submit to authority. see, we don't want to hear that. All right, verse 10. <laughs> so some of you can kind of leave right now. You got to like all this stuff. Like, I'm not on a team. I'm not on this. I'm not. A... Hey, listen, you're not a bad Christian because every Christian's a bad Christian. That's how you become a Christian. Anyway. And we're going to have prayer partners up here. And some of you just maybe need to repent. God, I've been sitting in church for 10 years. I'm spiritually constipated. I need a breakthrough. I need some. I got all this information that's just blocked me up. And I need, I need you, God. If you think that's off color, go read about Ezekiel. 
Colleen, I know I'm in trouble today. If I could please get lunch from you still. Pray for me, guys. I'm going to Taco Bell today. I ain't getting no lunch. All right, verse 10. We need a miracle to finish this book today. For Demas, in love with this present word, world, has deserted. Deserted. That's a strong verb. It means to abandon and to leave somebody helpless. To abandon and leave somebody helpless. Demas. And you want to highlight that whole line. Demas, in love with this present word, ha- world, has deserted me. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now, Crescens and Titus, listen, these are good guys. Titus is actually the next book after 2 Timothy in your Bible. And Paul, like, this is a good dude. He was a leader. But Demas, I want you to turn to Philemon 23. Philemon 23. It's a small book, one chapter. He was Jamaican, Philemon. Uh, that, that one, yeah. So 23 and 24, listen, here's this guy, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ. He sends greetings to you. So does Mark. So is, I don't know what that guy's name is, but then Demas, you see that? And who? Luke, my what? Fellow worker. So you need to highlight that. You need to underline that because the apostle Paul the Apostle Paul, he had a Demas on his team. When you are on a team, you are going to have Demases on your team. You also may have some Judases on your team. Jesus was the greatest leader ever, but in the 12, he had a Judas. This is why I'm wearing this shirt today, by the way. Because there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm trained in this. I'm trained in this. I've been here. I've been there. But then you watch their manner of life. Demas was on the team. Demas was on the team. And so what you need to ask, Holy Spirit, am I a Demas? Well, Chris, I I really don't like that. Ask the Holy Spirit, because here's why. I bet you. Demas was a fellow worker. He was on the team, but Demas didn't deal with his stuff. Just like every pastor in America, they start the church, passion for Jesus. But then all of a sudden, the money starts rolling in and there could be some compromise. All of a sudden, church grows and they think they had something to do with it. And that secret, secret sin of pride starts to creep up like I'm all that in a bag of chips. I want you to understand we could all be Demases here. And this is why you need to keep your heart before God and say, search me and know me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, 18 through 23, and just jot it down because we don't have time. Matthew chapter 13, 18 through 23. The sower goes out to sow. And some people have hard hearts, and the bird snatches that seed, which is the word of God, snatches it right away. Don't harden your heart. That's why we have worship at the end for 30 minutes, because there's a lot of seed that's thrown out, and if you just kind of leave 
without saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? There's prayer partners up here as well to pray for you. There may be some repentance. There may be, you know, so, 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 so that's why we do what you do. Here's the other thing. There are other people. They have this, they receive the word with joy, but then tribulation and persecution comes and there's no root. And then there's the other ones that get involved with the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. That's, by the way, I'd put America right over that. Because many are saved and born again, but they're, they're getting choked out by weeds because they care more about the world than they do about the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, I was passionate for Jesus, but now I'm a Demas. And it could happen to anybody here. This is why we don't read the word. We let the word read us. We don't go through scripture. We ask for the scripture to go through us. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, they choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. But then there's those who hear God's word. And they bear fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. So again, you can read and meditate on that in your own time, Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Um, Will, if you could put up the picture of Frederick Douglass. So I've already quoted Frederick Douglass. I'm going to give you his shot here, his picture. He's one of my heroes because while he was a slave, he made friends with these little white kids and they taught him how to read on the down low while he was a slave. And he learned how to read as a slave. And as a slave, three nights a week, he taught 40 slaves how to read. Three nights a week, he taught 40 slaves that were slaves in the area at night after slaving all day. Now listen, America, listen. I guarantee you he probably worked harder than you. As a slave. But yet we live in a country and we live in a world and Americans say, oh, I kind of, I don't, I don't have time to come and read for a kid for an hour. Now, parents, if you have six kids hanging off your legs, listen, you might not be in the season, but a lot of you are in the season. And, and let me tell you something. I tell this to PBA students all the time. Ladies, if your guy ain't serving anywhere, because he's too busy? What do you think's going to happen when you're married, you have kids, has a job? You think he's going to have more or less time than college, but for some reason, he can go to every college fellowship night. When his boys want to go to Chick-fil-A, he's always at Chick-fil-A, but he doesn't have time to die to himself and to serve. And if that pattern's not there now, when's it going to come in? And by the way, we have a singles class. I talk more about that. It's six weeks. I don't have time for that. Let me tell you something. Your marriage is way more important than your four-year degree. And if you don't have six weeks for that, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because I'm trying to save our marriage counseling team from your marriage because you didn't listen to me. Some of you are never coming back. So again, I'm doing that so we can all have our parking. I'm tired of walking so far. All right, verse 11. 
Luke alone, Luke alone is with me. You might want to highlight that. Oh, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Well, he was alone. He was alone at the end. You walk with Jesus, it's not going to be cotton candy and lollipops. It probably, you know, look, what my, my most views on YouTube is like my aunt and uncle. Like, I got 13 views on YouTube, okay? <laughs> Ain't nobody want, hey, listen. <laughs> anyway, Luke alone is with me. We live in a day and age where we've already read this in chapter 4. People don't want the truth, but they want teachers that will itch their ears and tickle their ears. That's what they want. They will not put up with sound doctrine. We live in that age. That's what scripture just said the chapter before. We live in this age. In the last days, people don't want the truth. They want to live my truth. And there's a way that seems right to a man, and it ends in death. Get Mark, verse 11, and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. I want you to highlight that. We'll be coming back to it. Lord willing. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, I'm back in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Tras, the books. Look at and the parchments, right? He wanted the word. He wanted a cloak because it was cold, and the prison system at the time, you know, when I went to jail, they gave me a blanket. They don't give blankets here in Rome, okay? 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. You want to highlight that? Did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Highlight that. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. So, there's two questions I want to ask you. Number one, do you and your team have an Alexander the coppersmith in your life? Now, if you're not on a team, do you personally, with what God's called you to do in ministry, do you have an Alexander the coppersmith in your life? If you don't, I've got a couple, by the way, you can borrow, okay? I've got quite a few, actually. <laughs> so, if you're not getting shot at, you're not walking in Christ. Jesus said, a servant is not above his teacher. If they called me Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Flies, Satan, and they malign me, they're going to do the same to you. When we walk in Christ, that's why Matthew 5, right? Rejoice when you suffer persecution. They persecuted the prophets that were before you. People don't like truth. And when you give them truth, they are going to really dislike you. And you're going to be hated. And so, do you have an Alexander the coppersmith? You need to ask that question because you might not be. Number two, second question. Can you move off your enemies like Paul just did? How did Paul move? He didn't try to get even. He didn't try to get justice. He didn't try to put people in their place. He didn't try to. He just released it to God and said, the Lord repay. That is a Christian that is very, very healthy. That is a Christian 
that believes in God. Listen, some people cannot move like this and entrust justice to God because they don't know the God of justice. It is a fearful thing when people are acting foul and coming at me. I fear for them because my dad loves me and they don't realize who they're touching. And I don't need to get even. I don't do that. I bless them. The Lord is going to repay them. But God, I just even, I pray against that because I fear you, God. Maybe you just don't know God. Another thing that might be blocking you from, from, from not moving in the Lord will repay them is, is, is maybe you just haven't forgiven and you're holding anger and bitterness and resentment. And you just, you just need to let that go. You need to release that. If there's anybody popping up in your mind, maybe you come down and confess after the service, I got to release this person. They've really, really hurt me. There was a girl that, 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 that was in our program, and there was, there was a, abuse that was happening. And, and through this abuse, this girl, she didn't want to go there, didn't want to go there, didn't want to go there. And, 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 and finally she did and forgave, and there was freedom and transformation. But a lot of times it's too painful to look at what hurt us. I don't know what you're going through, but if you can't move like that, like Paul moves, guess what? That's not Christian. We leave justice to God. God's word declares in Romans 12, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Verse 16. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Wow, can you imagine that? So there's two different responses. The Lord will repay. So there's a confidence in God's justice. He's just. He's going to bring justice. And there's also, may it, may it not be charged against them. That's that aspect where we understand the compassion and kindness of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, I didn't deserve your grace. I deserved your wrath, God. But because of my rebellion, you forgave me and you put that on the cross for me. And so you didn't charge it against me. You charged all of my stuff on the cross. And so, God, I pray for them that are hurting me, deserting me, abandoning me. I pray for the grace of God to be at their, on their life, God. I bless them in Jesus' name. If you don't walk like that, if that's not your, your, your natural go-to, then you're not being led by the Spirit of God. And there's flesh still in you, and you need to be discipled. I trust God to bring justice. I bless my enemies because I follow Jesus, and I'm free on the inside. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Psalm 16, 8. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. God was with Paul. He strengthened Paul. When he was weak, right? Wrong. He was strong. So that the message might fully be, be proclaimed. And he goes down the list. You can read it at your own time. I want to focus here ending with Luke, Luke 4.11, because it just breaks my heart on where the church of Jesus Christ is. I'm sorry, did I just say Luke 4? I'm sorry. 
2 Timothy 4, 11, because Luke's right there. Luke alone is with me, right? But bring who? So I want you to put by this passage in 2 Timothy 4, Acts 15. Acts 15. This is so important, church. Please, if you just walk out of here and, and please remember this in all sincerity. If there's anything over being involved in ministry for, for, for over 20 years now that the enemy does, number one thing, numero uno, he causes division. Because people don't move like Paul. He causes division through maturity. And so in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, they're about to go on mission together because in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the mission that I've called them to. And so they were doing their mission. Things were going good. But then Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, he says, he says, hey, I want to bring this guy, John Mark. And Paul says, nah, he's a sellout. He's not coming on our team. He's not good enough to be on our team. And there was a division and there was a split and they split. Now, I'm going to get a lot of emails from this. Listen, I believe Paul was wrong. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, Paul's not Jesus, okay? Jesus is Jesus. And why would I say Paul's wrong? Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, please. Thanks for asking. 1 Corinthians 13, and this is where we're going to close it down. This is so vital to us as the church. We have so missed the mark. Forgive us, God. Forgive me, God, because I've been a prophet that was immature, being too harsh, and I've hurt people. I don't want to do that. I need to be on a team where if I've, I've got a word for Antoine, that I'm like, hey, Kev, this is, this is, I've got to give this word to Antoine. Can you pray with me and for me that I'll say it the way God wants me to say it? That if I know I'm a prophet, I'm bringing somebody that is a shepherd. If it's a hard word for Antoine, <laughs> that can rub his back. <laughs> Not another prophet that'll put salt in the wound. Anyway, so 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and I have not love, I'm a noisy gong clanging symbol. If I have the prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so look, I don't care if you're the best prophet ever. That's reading people's mail. I don't care, right? Tongues, gifts. That's all secondary. It's amazing how God set this up. Chapter 12, chapter 14 are about gifts. We believe in gifts here at Bow Down. We try to operate in them. But understand, God in his brilliance put chapter 13 in between to make a holy sandwich. The gifts 
are important for ministry. You need to know your gift as you serve on a team, but don't you ever forget the foundation, right? That creamy stuff in the Oreo, if you will, is what is important and keeps it together. Don't try to separate it like Paul. Verse 4, love is patient. Was Paul patient? No, he wasn't. Patience suffers long with someone. Was he kind? Did he, did he envy or boast? Probably not. Was he arrogant or rude? Maybe. We don't know. But it doesn't insist on its own way. Oh, he insisted on its own way. And listen, whenever there's a split, that means somebody's not dying to themselves, and they are insisting on their own way. You are not walking in love considering others better than yourself. You are insisting on your own way. I heard from God. I have this verse, blah, 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 and you've forgotten about love. It's not irritable. It's frustrated. This person frustrated. Uh-huh. It's not love. It's not resentful. Another word for resentful is keeping records of wrongs. Love keeps no records of wrongs. What was Paul doing? He was looking at John Mark's past and what he did back then. And he said he's not good enough. He was keeping records of wrongs. When you, listen, husbands, wives, argument, well, you always, you never. Wait a minute, you're not allowed to turn on the history channel. Because last time I checked, Ephesians 4, don't let the sun go down on your anger because it gives the devil a place. And you're walking in unforgiveness. You're not allowed to do that if you're in Christ. And so love keeps no records of wrongs. I'm not supposed to treat you uh, as if what you did two weeks ago is who you are now in Christ. I've got to forgive. I've got to confront. I've got to come together and encourage you to be patient and kind, to lift you up. Because it also says, I just know it, okay? So listen, love always hopes. Was Paul hopeful in John Mark? No, he wasn't. Love always believes the best. Was, was Paul believing the best out of John Mark's life? No, he wasn't. Love never fails. Love never gives up. Did Paul do that with John Mark? No, he gave up on him. And that's why I say Barnabas was right. Paul was wrong. Because it's what Paul wrote through the Holy Spirit. He disqualified himself with his own writings, via the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the good news. 2 Timothy 4.11, so I love it. He's like, bring John Mark to me. He's useful to me. Paul repented. He got right with God. And now he's asking for the scrub that wasn't good enough to be on the team. I need him, and he's useful to me. We have to look at one another like that in the church. If we're going to be on teams together, understand the accuser of the brethren is going to come at people. He's going to come at leadership. Oh, look at them. Look at that. Look at what they're doing. Oh, they're, you know, they're always this. They're always that. All these accusers. Listen, Re- Revelation chapter 12, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. And you need to know, if you're accusing someone that's on your team, you might be working with the wrong team. Don't accuse. Don't condemn. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
If we are in Christ Jesus, and we might be a Demas that loves the world more than the kingdom of God, guess what? I will die for you. I will die for you. I will die for you. And this is where true leadership happens. This is where healthy teams happen. Where you have good shepherds that see the wolf coming and say, I'm going to lay my life down for them. And then you have fake shepherds. When they see the wolf coming, they run. When things get hard, they complain. When things get hard, they point fingers. They whine. They're always talking about the problems, but they never bring a solution. This is not who we are. So whose team are you on? Who are you submitting to? What are you called to do? Where is your post? Is the kingdom the main priority and focus in your life? Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Are you bringing peace and shalom to your team or are you part of the division? Guys, if we are going to see revival come, we've got to have this mindset. There are things that are waiting to blow up, blow up right now, but yeah, I know that story about Frederick Douglass. Yeah, he had it all that time, but yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time to be on a team. Speaking of team, worship team. Prayer partners, if you can come forward. Hopefully, hopefully the Holy Spirit spoke to you today and there is something that you need to get with God and deal with. And so let us, let us bow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we made it through the book of Timothy. And I'm only 10 minutes over. I pray, God, that as we focus on you, that you would just reveal in us what you want us to do next. That you are a good dad. You are a good father. What team should we be on? What team should we be on, God? Father, I just pray that you would just encourage your children today, that they would rise up into their identity and who they are in you. That they would know they're not the, they're not the tail, but they're the head. And that you've called them to tear down the kingdom of darkness, to proclaim the kingdom of light, and to call people to come in. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen all of our teams here at this church, at Urban Youth, at Jupiter Christian, I just pray that you, God, would move, would move, would move. Same thing for JH Outback, any other ministries that I've missed in this place today. Strong teams, God, for your glory, full of love, full of honor, God. Raise up a generation that is about your kingdom first and not for themselves. That it's not about us because you desire no flesh glory in your presence, God. And I pray that you would do this in our life. 
We need you, Jesus. We need you. We thank you. You are here now. Help us to kiss towards you. Like you're the only one in the room now. In Christ's name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.